Welcome to the Plan C Podcast. And welcome to the Plan C Podcast with your hosts, me, Dave Lester. Uh, me, Neil Gibb. And today we're talking to Francis Bishop. Now, I'll tell you a little bit about Francis before I, uh, before I speak to her. I met Francis at uh, Retail Week Live, and I am not a person that watches TV, so I didn't know anything about her background. Uh, but it turns out she is uh, a former contestant and runner-up in the UK Apprentice, which is interesting. But what I, I was interested in is that she's also the founder of a uh, clothing retailer called Pudstore. And we're in this really interesting time in terms of retailing, and, and we're hearing about the high street being in crisis, and that was prior to the um, the lockdown, and now the high street is particularly in crisis. And what's interesting about Pudstore is Pudstore is doing things differently and succeeding in places where many retail experts says it wasn't possible to uh, succeed. So welcome, Francis. Hi. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much for uh, for taking time to come and see us. I know you're you're very busy, uh, and I, I guess you'll be telling us a bit more about that later. But if you just tell us a little bit about you know what what is Pub Store and, and why you set it up. So um, we are a children's clothing retailer, but like you say, we do things different. So we believe that shopping shouldn't be monotonous; it should just be joyful. And I think that depending on what the field the field that you're in, for us. It's about parents being able to come into our stores and if they've got a question about their child having colic or they don't, you know, they're just having a bad day. They, they still want that human contact. And I think that over the years, somewhere along the line, that's been lost in retail. I think it's very, very corporate now, very cold. And you should be able to have a laugh and a joke. And it should be, it just should be a joyful experience. And that's the fundamental, I suppose, stone of, of what we've ra- raised ourselves on. Um since then we've sort of grown over four or five years now I lose track now it all blends into one to be honest um we've grown rapidly um many many ups and downs and I've sort of grown a business in a field where everyone said oh you know that's the worst industry that the high street's dying what are you doing that for um but I really believe in it and I really believe in what we're trying to do and what we're trying to achieve um I'll tell you in 10 years time whether that decision's right or not (laughs) Well, you've opened and you've also, you know, you've opened stores in areas where, again, I think that, you know, the received wisdom was that's 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 a bad place to open a store. That's going to fail. And, and clearly you're succeeding. So can you tell us a bit about, you know, why you think you're succeeding? So obviously on the face of it, everyone seems to just choose fashionable city centre locations, which look fancy on their website. Say, oh, we've got a posh flagship store here. But I think it was about two or three years ago, I noticed that the secondary towns that we overlook or we, we we say are dying aren't because they still have something that I don't think cities have, which is a community. They have a heart where people still know everybody. You can walk down the street and you'll know them or you'll know them passively perhaps, um, but there still seems that genuine heart to these areas. And I thought that's where we were better off investing our time and money in places where people will care about that independent store rather than going into a city going into a posh shopping centre, which is very fancy on one's portfolio, do people know the owner? No. Do people know the people that work there? Probably not. Do people care if it's gone in a couple of months? Definitely not. And I think that by opening in these secondary locations that other people may turn their nose up at, um, you're doing two things. One, you're getting a good price on the rent, 
but two, you're becoming part of a community. And I think that's why we're still here today. Fran, with, um, when you, you mentioned community and, and how important that is, so it's really about the shopping experience. Yeah, you want people to come in to be able to, to experience something that's a bit different. Can you sort of really tell me or, or what, what is so different about your stores? <laughs> we listen. Um, it's probably as simple as that. You go into a store, say a, a big chain store, and you ask where something is and, you know, there may be a look in someone's eye that they are, you know, they, they might be having a bad day or they need to talk or you'll find a lot of people going shopping for a social experience. We are social creatures. The difference is, is if you walk into a store, if you can get your colleagues to listen to the customer and, re- and I mean really listen, not just ask them what they're looking for, but listen to them and, and be interested about when their child's birthday is, what their child's shoe size is, how Aunt Peggy from down the road. You know, it's about listening to the, the, just these the small snippets of information they have. Yes, that's not going to please every customer. Some people just want to come in, buy, leave, fine. But you find, especially in our industry and in our field of children's wear, moms just want to talk. They've had a long night. They've been up with the kids. They want that human element of contact for someone else to go, do you know what? I remember when my kid had colic and it was awful. Or I remember when my kid was to go through sleep regression. It's awful. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's that side to it that I think other retailers don't do. And I think that comes down to the people within the business. So, um, you know, you're talking about the, the real world shop experience and, uh, you know, to some extent it's a sort of back to the future, you know, going back to town centres when mm-hmm. town centres are about people and people knowing people and being able to share information and also sell things rather than just trying to vlog stuff. Um, but, you you know, you've taken an interesting online journey as well. I mean, I've noticed you've got, uh, you know, I'm obviously not a target customer of yours. So I, I went and looked at your website and you've got, a, you know, a fully functioning e-commerce site now, but that isn't the journey you took. So can you tell us a little bit about how you use social media and things to start off with? Because that seems to be part of your community. Yeah. So first of all, we, um, much to the upset of many social media marketing companies that email me on a daily basis or AdWords people telling me that I need to spend X, Y, Z on marketing. We still don't spend money on marketing even now. Um, everything we've done so far is organic. Yes, I appreciate moving forwards as we expand. We probably will have to do the whole Google thing and SEO thing. But everything we've done so far, and I think this is a testament to the power of online and social media, is we've created a network of women who are very loyal. They're very passionate about our story. And you'll see this in other brands. Gymshark, for example, have done amazing with this. They have, they've admitted when they go wrong, which we do. They admit when they might not get quite get it right. And that's what we're doing. We're sharing the journey of trying to grow a business with very little resources and saying, this is where we're at today. Please support us. We might not always get it right, but when we do, you know, get it right, we really get it right. Um and I think customers buy into that because they see the human element. It's not just faceless. Yes, you can go on our website and if you're a new customer, you don't really know about us. But then when you start clicking on our social media and you find that there's a private group of 20,000 parents on there, you sort of go, oh, what, you know, what is that? Where, where you know, why have they, why they got such a big following? Why are all these people raving about this place? What's, what, what do you mean they're uploading photos of, of trying to set up a warehouse, this, that, and the other? It becomes more human. And I think the more that people can connect with that, the more they buy into that and they become a customer for life. That's why our returning customer rate is so high 
and probably why we're not having to scramble with all these social media agencies going, oh, please, you know, please convert our clicks into spends because we've built the business sort of from back to front. Yeah, well, maybe, you know, actually, I think you build it from front to back. You know, you built it from the people, the humans, and that's yeah. which is obviously why I really wanted to talk to you. Sorry, I interrupted, Dave. I'll hand it over to you. Uh, I was just going to say, and, uh, you know, for your, for your social media agencies, um, referrals, their worst type of business. Um, but you're proving that it's actually the best type of business. Yeah, I mean, they, you know, they drive me up the wall because they send, they send me these emails and it's like they're talking to me like I'm stupid. They're like, oh, we did this over this and here's the stats. And I'm like, I don't want stats. I want to know if I worked with you, would you be a nice person? Do you actually have my business best interest at heart? Or are you just looking to just get another client win? Um, I hope that the current situation, you know, with the whole COVID pandemic allows us to return more back to those kind of values rather than just fancy infographics and fancy stats, because I'm not a stats girl. I'm more of a let's talk to the person kind of girl. Well, you know, what you're pointing to is this being all about people. It's very human. It's very real. It's very community-based, you know. And, uh, you know, I think part of this that I see as someone who's, you know, started to follow your business over the last couple of years is, you know, it started with you is that you're a you're, you're young mum, you know, and uh, that's a sort of starting point. So, you know, you put yourself out there. I follow you on Twitter. And, you know, uh, I'd say the brand and you are quite similar. You're very honest. You're very authentic. Uh, but what's interesting, you know, you do take a lot of flack. You know, this is a, this is a difficult world that we live in. I mean, what's, what's that been like for you? Oh, my God. Um, yeah, it come, I think it comes with the job. Um, I've seen in particular, I'd say since the start of the pandemic, um, customers are really either lovely or really either not. Um, we're a business at the end of the day. Um, I think that the bit that I found difficult is obviously we do quite a lot of payment plans. Um, and we've been open literally all the way through the pandemic, but then you'll get silence of a customer for four months that if you know maybe paying a pram up and they go, actually, there's been a pandemic. I don't need anymore. I only need the second part of that pram. Can I only buy half of that? And it's trying to deal with these situations now that you're like trying to be really, really nice, but also at the same time being like, we have to find a common ground here. And I just think that sometimes the general public don't understand the ins and outs of running a business. Um, say, for example, I was talking to a bridal shop last week um, and she's in floods of tears. She's got brides demanding back deposits from dresses, obviously, that won't be worn this year. And she's like, I've paid for those dresses up front and I'm in a terrible position because you've got customers screaming down the phone. She's like, I'm trying to be as helpful as I can. But at the end of the day, I wouldn't have ordered that dress in that size, that colour otherwise. That bride did and they committed to that. And I think a lot of the time now with COVID, it's it's trying to find this middle middle ground for both the customers and the businesses so that we can all still be here in a year's time and all still be friends. But I don't think that that gets talked about enough either. Um, and I think that that's why I present a real human side to it and say, okay, this is actually what it means to run a business. This is how difficult it is. We will always be there to try and help, but there has to be a middle ground. It can't all be one way. And I think sometimes that whole the customer is always right mantra in this scenario, it isn't. Um, retailers are dealing with so many different things that they never thought that they would deal with. Well, every business is, you know. We've got supply chain issues at the minute. I've got prams and carts sat in a port. I can't get hold of because they're quarantining them. Um, you try telling a pregnant woman that's two weeks from having a baby that her stuff's in quarantine. 
Um, and there's nothing we can do about it. There is nothing we can do. I mean, but it's got to the point then on the flip side that in the middle of lockdown, I was driving around in a, in a van from a rental company delivering prams because our courier was up to the eyes in it, that it was sort of two, three weeks. So I was like, don't worry, I will drive across the country for you. And literally I was. But then it's sort of saying, look, we're really breaking our backs here to try and do everything we can. There has to be more understanding, but I don't think that there is. I think that the whole general public mood at the minute is pretty low. And I think that there's a lack of tolerance for these these challenges that businesses are facing. But then from a public side, I think that the public are like, is that genuine or is that not? So that's why, again, during the whole COVID thing, we've shared everything. We're like, this is actually what's happening. And it's really, really annoying. It's the whole consumer side of thing, isn't it? Me as the consumer, I've been, it's been ingrained in me that I'm the customer and the consumer. I'm always right. So if this is what I want, I'll fight for it. Um, And when businesses push back a little bit, we we definitely don't like that. No, and I think that, you know, we are, I wouldn't say we're sassy, but we're sort of like, if we're in the right, we know we're in the right, we'll hold our hands up whenever we're wrong and say, okay, we've, we've been in the wrong here. Um, say, for example, so when we were moving into the warehouse, um, we had to restock, take everything. We don't, we're not yet at the stage where we have all the fancy machines and stuff because I literally decided overnight we were going into a warehouse. Um, and we put the status on the website and said, look, orders at this stage could take two weeks. Um and it's funny how many consumers don't actually read the information you give them. <laughs> you know, when you say, there's actually a big banner at the top of the website saying it's taken two weeks. But what we did on the flip side is we said, okay, if you've waited over that time for your order, we'll give you all a fiver off. And we put no minimum spend on that. And we gave away these five pound vouchers. We got loads of people redeeming them. And again, we, we you know, we reclaimed customers back where we had a long, we were having long, a long wait because we were expanding the business organically. But then people appreciate that. Now, you can't imagine, say, for example, Tesco or Lidl doing that or saying, OK, you know, we knew that you were all panic buying toilet roll. Here's a free pack of toilet roll. We've got loads. But that's the way that sort of I do things. It's like I'd rather make a little bit, you know, less margin on that month to then go, do you know what? How cool is that? They've rectified that. They're all, you know, they're trying a bit harder. They're trying to build their business. How awesome is that that they've just held their hands up and gone, yeah, you know what, here's his five pound voucher. Try us out, see if you like us. If you don't, you haven't really lost anything. You've only spent probably a couple of quids. If you love us, we've won a customer for life. You've started to talk about how you responded to, to lockdown, you know. Sorry. You know, he's brilliant, right? You know, you just dealt with it, right? But what was you know interesting for me when I first came across Pud Store and started reading about it and hearing about it, what really struck me, and you've talked about it today, was it was a, a kind of social hub for young mothers to be able to go into, you know, and, uh, you know, I think stories where perhaps um, young women who felt looked down on in certain places or dismissed could go in, they could ask questions that maybe felt stupid to them and not feel like they were going to be judged. So it became a real place for kind of young mums to go. And I, I think it was you talked about, I think, someone changing a nappy on the floor or something like that once, you know. Yeah, right, exactly. You know, so what a great thing to have. Then, of course, lockdown happened. So, you know, those stores will all close. So what did you, how did you maintain that connection and service, if you like, to, uh, um, to, to your customers? The first thing I did the night lockdown was announced, I rang one of my suppliers and I noticed on a website, on, a, on their wholesale website, they had these children's books. And I noticed that the price had kept dropping, the wholesale price. So I rang him up and I said, oh, I'll give you 500 quid for a job lot of these books. And he said, Fran, why do you want books? I said, oh, just trust me. I just want these books. I said, just let me, I'm just going to tell you though that 
they they're not being sold it's fine whatever so I, I, I think I, I think it was about a thousand books I ended up getting and my staff thought I'd lost the plot and I went on Facebook this was the day after lockdown and I said oh um you're going to be given the gift of time now I said lockdown's happening whether we all like it or not I said my business is going to suffer whether we like it or not your business is going to suffer I said but we have to see the positives in this and I said as a mum I'm very limited to when I'm back to be able to do the school run bedtime stories you know I work pretty much every hour I said and um so if you do a website what are you going to get this free book um and it's, it's not a book I'm giving you I'm giving you the gift of a bedtime story promise me you'll sit down with your kids and you'll, and you'll read them a story it's a brand new book here you go and it went down really well everyone was like oh that's so nice and now I get messages of these books of these pictures of these books and some of the parents they started reading the lockdown it's, it's become a real symbol and it's just literally a flat pop of book and my little boy loves it as well and um, we've had messages going oh my god like he's ripped his book can you get any more of these bloody books I'm like, oh my God, it's called Maudie and the Mystery of the Missing Glasses. And it's become this symbol for us now of lockdown. But we did stuff like that. So we'd put in handwritten notes. We would put in um, whether it be sweets, gifts, um, random stuff. You know, as, as we moved into the warehouse, I've now got to cleanse and not hold on to any old junk and stuff. So we just pop free gifts of random stuff and carrier bags for customers. And then they'd email us, go, oh my God, you've sent us the wrong order. We're like, oh no, that's free. And they're like, oh, that's so nice um so it's been sort of just communicating through these green mail bags that kind of leave our warehouse and just chuck random things in or just a random note or just have a great day um we did you know we, we did one as well of just sending like face masks to mums <laughs> so we were like a face mask in and be like you know de-stress but then what's funny is then we would get back the gifts back through the post to us to our warehouse so random people just send us stuff too they're like i got a foot um a foot algae care kit the other day i don't know who it's from but they were like looks like you need this have a great day um yeah so i got some tea bags as well the other week um i know it's random <laughs> But it, yeah, people get it, I suppose. So it, what I'm hearing, you know, it's this thing. It's interesting thing about values, you know, is that is yeah. that it's easy to write values down, but it just seems like instinctively it's in the DNA of your organisation that you're about. How do we care for these people? And then suddenly you just went, okay, we'll do this, right, and start to think from that place. Yeah, I mean, I'm a, I am a raving lunatic, as you've probably gathered, um, but I. I was raised like this as a person. So if you see, like, the other day I was out with one of my colleagues and we were out on lunch and um, there was, like, this little old deer and she she was, she was had a four-pack of carling. One, I love that this 82-year-old had a four-pack of carling. I was like, go on, love that. Um, but she was struggling. She had a walking stick and she was struggling. And anyway, I said, look, I said, do you mind me coming close and I'll help you with your shopping? So anyway, me and my colleague walked back. We ended up finding out her life story. It turns out she lives five minutes from the warehouse. We're now busy made. So she's got her number and she rings the warehouse if she needs anything. Her husband died during lockdown. And it's stuff like that. We won't go on social media and go, oh, my God, we did that. But it's, it's as a business, I think, that you have a responsibility, not just to your customers, but the community around you, to practice what you preach with people in your community, not just people that are giving you money if that makes sense. And that's, I think, how it's filtered down so well, because whoever we work with or employ or, you know, suppliers, everybody sort of feels the same. And yes, it's only a small pocket that we're changing, but I think that that's really important. I think 
every business has a social responsibility to their community. When, Fran, you're talking about the business and, you know, really that it's um, – it's your values that you started it with. What are you looking for in the in the people that you do employ? Because obviously you want them to be also sharing in those values and living those values on a, on a daily basis. Um, well, I have no social life, so my colleagues are my friends. That's first off. <laughs> I'm sure every could be like, don't you can't you know you have to you have to just be nice to people. And I know that some tycoons would be like oh no you know there's no time for that it's people aren't numbers people are real um and especially now there is going to be a lot of job losses there's going to be you know a lot of there's going to be a lot of change but when we sort of call someone in we teach them everything and I mean everything if they're coming in to do one job role they will know the rest of the business and that's something that I feel is paramount you know I'll clean the layer I'll sweep the floor clean the kitchen we do everything everybody has to be able to do everything and it's that kind of old school sort of mentality where then you can throw them into any area and they can still do that and then go back to their normal job the next day I think that that's really important so that everybody's equal there's nobody better than anybody else there's no managers there's no this that the other we just we just all are we coexist and I think that that you know, some people might go, oh, that's really realistic, an unrealistic view of the workplace. But to me, I would hate somebody to get up on a Monday morning and hate coming to work for me. I would hate that. It would, In fact, it would break my heart to know that that was happening. Um, so it's more that I'm driven by just being nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds so easy, right? But, you know, uh, what I really like as well, you know, this idea that, you know, it's all about people. It doesn't matter whether they're customers or employees. You, you know, it's all about people, right? And it's, that's a community as well. Yeah. Um, I'm interested in, um, you know, how you, you know, where you're thinking of going because, you know, it, it could be an interesting challenge to scale that. You know, do you? What's well, your ambition? I don't know. I think people sort of said that when I had one shot. Now I'm sat talking to you sort of in a massive warehouse. So. I don't think. <laughs> right, you've got, you've got four stores and a warehouse, and the warehouse is your yeah. next addition. Yeah, so I think that I sort of just roll with it. Um, I've never planned. I'm not a planner. I sort of just wake up and go, let's just try it. You know, don't know what's going to happen, but we can try it. And I think that we put too much pressure on ourselves of being somewhere in two years' time, or five years' time, or fifteen years' time. And I think that that restricts a lot of business growth. Whereas me, I'll wake up and go, probably should do that now. And I've not put a timeline on that. We're just rolling with the punches. And I think that's why we've come through COVID touchwood well so far, because we're just rolling with the punches. We're taking it down and segmenting it into small snippets rather than going to the bank. In 12 months, we'll be here. I say to my bank manager, it's nice you'll like me to be there, but we'll see where we're at. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's the scaling side, really. It's kind of, yes, I know that I am the heart of PUD, but so are the colleagues behind it. So are the customers. And I think that as you you go on that journey, you cannot put timescales on that. And I think that's where so many retail businesses fail. They think they have to open 200 stores within the space of five years to be successful. Why not just have 100 stores and run them really well? I'm sure you probably make the same profit, to be honest. And it's interesting you put, you know, I, I, I'm never sure what we're going to find out when we do this. This is why we're, why we're doing it, you know. Um, but, you know, the idea of 
behind plan C is we're going through this incredible sort of period of change and uh, you know and we're interested to hear people who are succeeding in this environment and I think you point to something really interesting which is if you can't predict the future why try and predict the future you know you just sounds like you're adapting and you're responding to what's happening as as it's happening yeah we're very responsive we're very what's the word I think we just I think you have to be responsive you have to but I think that I was talking about this yesterday to someone they were saying, how am I going to cope with COVID? What am I going to do? And I said, why are you looking at a sort of like this big, big thing? Why not break it down into just what's the problem today? Let's solve the problem today. And then tomorrow we can look at that problem, another problem tomorrow and break it down. And that's what we've been doing. So my first issue was, oh my God, lockdown, need cash flow. Okay, need cash flow. What's something cool I can do with customers? Okay, let's do the book thing. Cool, right, done. Next day, right. I need to get in a bestseller that I know is going to sell out loads. What are kids doing at home? Kids are doing TikTok. Cool. Let's get loads of TikTok stuff in. Let's shift that. Great. That's bringing in cash flow. Okay. I've got all these winter orders that I need to, you know, that is going to come in. Right. Might not be able to sell. Let's speak to the brand. See if we can break it down a little bit. And it's like A, B, C, D, E. And I just work my way through. It might mean that it takes me a little bit longer to get to stuff. But then I know that what's gone before has been done and it's under and then the businesses still keep ticking over I think a lot of businesses are looking at it as a really big picture and I think that that's where they're panicking failing having a nervous breakdown I mean I've had a few nervous breakdowns during this pandemic I'm not gonna lie but I think for business owners during this and I think for retailers I think it's been really lonely um and it is a lonely experience and it's a lonely existence anyway, being a business owner when you're at the top. Because there's, there, there's nobody there. If you don't have a board of directors, you've got nobody on your wavelength. I found it difficult during the pandemic to not go crazy, to not think that I'm going crazy because it's sort of you have all these things whirring in your mind. So the way that I have dealt with it is a strict routine and taking each problem as it comes rather than overwhelming myself and making myself ill and going, oh, my God, I need to do all of this. I'm not going to be any use to anybody doing that, you know. I mean, stuff did bloody homeschool during all this. You said me just come back to school. You can't have a mother that's having a nervous breakdown. So you just take it a day at a time. Um, and I think I'd say that to any business owner, stop fretting. Just take just take your breath and just keep plodding on. I think what, you, what you're talking about there is um... – <laughs> really the advice that you're giving to a lot of your customers and they come in the store, right? That's what being a parent is. You can only deal with the five minutes that's in front of you because what's happening in half an hour, an hour's time, who knows? No, I mean, obviously, you know, I know we're not meant to timestamp podcasts, but in 20 minutes, the Chancellor's making another, you know, statement about the winter economy plan. As a business owner, I'm like, oh, my God, what's going on? Last night, I was fretting. I was thinking, do you know what, Fran? can't fret about, you know, what he's going to say, what's anything's going to happen. But you've got to take each day. Take it as it comes because it's changing all the time. We could be in a full lockdown next week. We might not be. There might be a vaccine for COVID next week. Who knows? So what's the point? Just control the things that you can control. That's what I say. You can always control what goes on within your four walls. So that's what we try and do. Wow, I, you know, I think I think that's we've actually coming to the end of the podcast, and that, that might be just a really good sort of summing up. Point. Um, it's a nice finish, isn't it? 
Yeah, well, it, well, it is, you know, because it because I think I think uh, what I love about it is it, it, it's you know it, it's simple. I mean, all these things, simple things, are easy to say and difficult to do. You know, when no, you're actually in, in, yeah. But but I think that's it because it's easy to get caught up in all these like complex ideas. But you know what you're talking about is really good practical advice. I think the other thing is that I'm seeing as well is you have a real instinctive understanding and interest in your customers' lives and world. And you just kind of get it and you know about it. And I think that's the other thing I notice about you. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm a university dropout. Um, I have had to learn on the job as such. I didn't have a plan for my life. And I think that the only way that you learn is by speaking to other people and listening. We don't listen anymore. Um, when you're talking, you just talk about something you already know. Whereas if you sit and talk, listen to people, you're going to find out new information and then you can use that to add to your knowledge and that's something I really value. And I think that going forward, a lot of other people should start doing that too. And we all might actually end up getting to where we need to be a bit quicker. I think you're very you're spot on from the listening point of view. It's a skill that is certainly being dropped. Um, I'm not sure it's what that's due to. It could be that we've got so many things that distract us these days and instant gratification. But uh you know, hearing from yourself and that that's a key part of your business is listening to what your customers want and your staff um, and the world around you is um, reassuring. <laughs> well, I think there's a lot of, I think we're in a world now where there's a lot of noise. Everything we do, there's noise, isn't there? You know, maybe come from social media, maybe from outside. But I'll probably leave you with this anecdote is me and my son go walking every morning. So we do a 5K walk every morning. Everyone tells me I'm mad on the score. And they're like, why the hell have you, do you get up at obscene times and do this with your son? And at first he hated me for it. Now he loves it. Um, and it's at a time in the morning that I cherish. And we go on this walk and I was telling him to listen to the birds. And he's like, mommy, I can you know hear the whir of tractors or whatever in the background. I'm like, no, just close your eyes, filter everything out, and tell me what you hear. And now I love it. He's seven and he's so carefree. And he'll stand there literally in the middle of a field with his arms out, closing his eyes. He's like, oh my God, I can hear this bird today and I can hear this. And it's trying to teach him at such an early age to filter out other noises that we get in our lives, world, workplace, business. And just focus on something so simple. Yes, I may be raising him to be a raving crackpot lunatic that will stand in the middle of the road now and listen to birds. But I think that that's a life skill he'll carry on with him. If he has the ability to filter out noise around him, then he'll grow up to be a better person and, and hopefully me a better mom. Well, that's a beautiful place to end because, you know, what you really told me there is the pud stories about mums. It's not about baby clothes. And that was wonderful. Yeah. Um, so, um, so thank you, Francis. Um, just a couple of things, just so people can find you. Um, the the website is thepudstore.com. Is uh, mm -hmm. where else can people find out about you if they're interested? Uh, so you can go on Facebook and join a private Facebook group called the Pudstore Children's Outlet. You'll have to request to join. Um, it's normally a couple of weeks to try and get in because we're a bit fancy and we like to pretend that we're exclusive. Um, but you can join that group and then you can follow our. Um, our journey is we'll call it a journey follow our journey great and I'm, I'm guessing you're instagram and twitter as well and obviously you francis bishop are on twitter as well if people are interested yeah when i have a run with too much yeah. water <laughs> you know, highlight of my week <laughs> yeah. all right thank you very much it's great to talk to you no problem thank you for having me thanks for listening 
please leave us your comments and remember to subscribe to the Plan C podcast with Neil Gibb and Dave Lester.